Praise God. Glad we had church today, even in the midst of the storm outside. I feel like we've had church already here. Reminds me a little bit about of the weather in South Dakota. We would get what we call blizzards there. This isn't quite like that because there's trees all around, you know, but uh, there there weren't a lot of trees and so where it's like the worst around here was that way most places until you got into a town or something. And uh, I'm glad you, you made it out, those that did this morning. Do have a few announcements. Pastor Dean's going to be coming up here in a few moments to bring a word to us this morning from God's Word. We are having a baby dedication next Sunday, and so if you have a, a child that you would like to dedicate, you could talk to me today about that, and we'll get that in line for next Sunday. I do, before I forget, I want to we want to congratulate David and Brittany Helgiger, who were married here yesterday in the church. Um, also, there is a True Bridge men's retreat at the Hampton Inn in Bemidji, Friday and Saturday, March 29 and 30. This, the main speaker will be Pastor Doug Wing. He's our True Bridge Network of Churches director. And there are these brochures on the Welcome Center table in the back. Um, so, if, men, I really encourage you to to attend this. Uh, it's going to be very good, and it's something for most of us, or many of us anyway, we could probably, you know, we won't have to be getting the room in the motel. If you do want to, there's a block of rooms that are available. Those need to be um, reserved by March 7, March 7. In the brochure it says 17th, but that's a typo there. So I um, just wanted you to be aware of that. We have, of course, our classes. Just reminders here in the morning at 9.30. There will be a coffee time today after the service. We have Wednesday activities, the quilting, the noon meal, the Bible study at 1 o'clock, and then in the evening, there is a prayer meeting, and Gus is going to be bringing a teaching for us then. And just a word for what we call a blessed life moment this morning. Um, these are some things that I gleaned from a Believer's Voice of Victory broadcast here the last while. And it's uh, March, th or not March, of Malachi. <laughs> I guess we're looking for March. Spring, is, spring officially comes in March, right? <clears throat> um, but Malachi 3.8 says, Should people cheat God? You have cheated me. But you ask, what do you mean? When did we ever cheat you? And this, that's speaking to God. You have cheated me of the tithes and offerings due to me. And... Uh, a quote of Kenneth Copeland here, tithing lays the foundation for financial success and abundance. And then a quote from Pastor Bill Winston. He says, a tithe 
does not become a tithe when we give it, it becomes a tithe when we get it. The moment we receive our paycheck or any other income, it becomes a tithe. Not when we bring it into the house of God. It becomes a tithe the moment it comes into our hands. The question is, what are you going to do with it? Are you going to be faithful with what God belong, what belongs to God? And that's from a book of his. And then another quote. This is Pastor George Pearson. When you begin to desire to walk in God's prosperity, it's an imperative that you start out on the first step of tithing. That is the foundation of prosperity. I can remember that we knew it was right to tithe, that's him and his wife, but we were so broke that we just didn't do it very well. We would tithe a few times and then we would get, would let it get behind. Then we would try to catch up. As long as we did that, we never enjoyed prosperity. But when we made a determination to tithe because it was in the word, then we walked in the blessing of God. Tithing is the foundation of prosperity. And then, this is something I put on here on the end, that the key, I believe, to the righteous kind of prosperity is having the right motivation, and that is generosity, not greed. I mean, why do we want to prosper? Is it to accumulate things for ourselves? Well, that really is not a very good motivation, but if it's where we can receive that we can be channels for those things, that is so good. And I know that many of you must be tithing here because it, it shows in the financial sheet of the church. I don't know what you give. You know, through the years I have not, I've asked our those are bookkeepers and such. I don't want to know what people give because I've, you know, that could be, I don't know, I just have chosen that. But I know that many are. And um, so for giving of tithes and offerings, there are boxes on the back wall of the sanctuary or something I've been asked to share here too is that you can give online you go to our TCC webpage, and there's an icon there. Once you've entered it, look in the upper right-hand corner, and there is a donate icon there that you can use a debit or um, credit or PayPal or whatever to give that way as well. So Lord, we just give you thanks today for your provisions. We believe you bring provision to us for the needs that we have, but then, Lord, our heart's desire is that we can give, that we might be a blessing. And we know that when we do give of our finances, in a way it's giving of ourselves, but it's giving, we really see it as a seed we sow unto you. And so we're thankful that we have this opportunity to do it, to do this. And we know it shows where our heart is and where our trust is in you. And so we give you thanks for that in the name of Jesus today. Amen. Pastor Dean.
come up here. Let's have, let's have a word of prayer and uh, <clears throat> invite the Lord to speak to our hearts individually. Father, you are faithful, you are true. Without your spirit, Lord, we have no real understanding. We thank you that you have said he will lead us and guide us into all truth. He comes and lives in our heart. He's our helper. We invite him to give us illumination today to you and your ways in Jesus' name. Everybody said, <clears throat> let's want to look at Genesis 37 and verse 3 today. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his sons because he was the son of his old age, and he made him a very colored tunic. I just want to look at the life of Joseph for a moment, <clears throat> and I want to focus mainly on Joseph the dreamer. And I've been kind of teaching on this the last number of weeks in different places, different aspects of it, <clears throat> and so, well, look at today the power of dreams, the power of visions, and how God operates these things, maybe why he does it, what, it, what happens in our life when he makes a visitation to us. And then also we want to believe that those in our congregation will have dreams and visions that will set them in their place of service. And the younger people, the younger generation need to have encounters with God themselves. They can't live on the older generation's faith. God wants to give each one that, that supernatural assurance before him, and it may not be in a vision or a dream, but that's one thing that he does. Hallelujah. And so we, you know, through the Bible it says in the nighttime, I had visions in the nighttime, and I take that probably to be a dream, <clears throat> but visions and dreams are pretty much the same thing. One is while you're awake, and one is while you're sleeping, and what happens when you're sleeping and you have a dream is that your mental capacities are not so active, your emotions are not so active, and so the spirit has a greater opportunity to cause things to be deposited within your spirit without us trying to reason things out. Amen. And so there is a, a great uh, impartation that can come through a dream. One of the things through the years that I've noticed is that people get in the ditch on one side or the other. They want to evaluate every dream you have or every dream that they have. And that's not, that's not how dreams are. When God gives a dream, there's something about it that you know, that you know, that you know that you've encountered the goodness of God. A few years ago, I was, went, to, went to sleep and I dreamt I was in Cuba. And I was sitting in this boardroom and there was this big table there and a bunch of people sitting around it, guys in suits. 
And the fellow up in front had a big whiteboard there and he was all sorts of charts and graphs and things and they were talking about, they were discussing distribution problems of delivering milk in Cuba. <laughs> I woke up, I said, I don't think that's from God. <laughs> I had never thought of that before. So sometimes dreams take a, you know, they just have a life of their own. And kind of entertaining, I guess. But God sometimes will visit us in unique, special ways. And there'll be an impartation of a call, of anointing on their life. And so we're believing here that God would knock on heart doors occasionally and drop something into lives that will set a course for their future and the path of anointing. Amen. So the, the three ways that we can look at Joseph, the first one that we'll see is that he, is, he was a dreamer. <clears throat> and the second one was that he uh, learned the spiritual principles of how God operates. And then the third one is that God dropped things into his heart that could not be stolen. The character of God was deposited within him and nothing he went through could rob him of that. That's one thing that happens in dreams is that not only is there an, you know, an event that might be happening or a call that comes, but there's also an overwhelming sense of the glory of God, of the goodness of God, of the presence of God. And that's more awesome and more precious than what the dream is telling us. It opens our heart to see him, to know him, to understand him in a deeper way. And that's what our passion is. Amen. So first of all, in typology, we have Israel loving Joseph more than all his sons. And here we have a picture of how the father sees us. He is, you, you are his favorite. He loves you more than anyone else. Let's say that. God loves me more than anyone else. And he is so big, he can do it for everybody. Amen. He can do it for everyone. There's that unique, that we will know, that we know, that we know how precious we are in his sight. Without that simple foundation of a father's love, many of the blessings that come into our life are shallow and weakened. But we're, when we know we're walking in the depth of that union and love with him, and then he adds the blessing to us, he adds the call to us, we're equipped to flow step by step with him. The second thing we see here is that our Father loves us. He covers us with his handiwork. And it's just interesting, this cloak had many colors. 
And so the grace of God in our life gives us an overall purpose and establishes us in our calling in his kingdom. But then we each have a unique expression. Hallelujah. And we are called to connect with his people in our lives, in, our, in the way that God has designed us. And so it's just not one thing, it's not just a static thing, but it's a living expression. Amen. Pastor Steve is called to be a pastor. But he's also anointed to be a husband, father. He's looking for opportunities to evangelize. There's a unique flow in, in his life and ministry that transcends just a single title. That's the way it is with all of us. God has a, a very strong, specific place for you to serve, a faith that he puts into your life. But then there's unique expressions that color that service. Hallelujah. So let's read this dream that Joseph has when he's 17, I believe. <clears throat> Genesis 37 and verse 6. He goes to his brothers and he tells them, please listen to this dream which I have had. For behold, we were binding sheaves in the field, and lo, my sheaf rose up and also stood erect. And behold, your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to mine. Then the brothers said to him, are you actually going to reign over us? Or are you really going to rule over us? So they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Now he had still another dream and related it to his brothers and said, Lo, I have had still another dream, and behold, the sun and moon and eleven stars were bowing down to me. He related to his father and to his brothers, and his father rebuked him and said to him, What is this dream that you have had? Shall I or your mother or your brothers actually come and bow down to you? His brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the saying in mind. And so this family had a history and a heritage of dreams. His father, Jacob, as he was traveling years before this, it says in Genesis 28, 16, Jacob woke up from his sleep and he said, God is in this place. And he had the dream of the angels ascending and descending unto God. And, <clears throat> and he says, he is, he is shaken. I mean, he is arrested in his heart. He is, becomes focused on the things of the Spirit. God is in this place truly. And I didn't even know it. Verse 17, he was terrified 
and whispered in awe, incredible, wonderful, holy. This is God's house. This is the gate of heaven. He has a dream and in the night he wakes up and the awe and the wonder and the fear of God is all over him. Not a fear of dread that he's bringing him harm, but a fear that caused a holy reverence to be expressed within him. It impacted him. It set his, the course of his life. It, <clears throat> he saw the destiny of his descendants. Incredible, wonderful, holy. When God visits us with a strength, this is the response of our heart. It goes down deep. It goes down deep within us. It establishes things that can only come from God. Other people can't stuff it into you or take it away from you. It is from God. I can imagine that Joseph and his brothers were instructed in their father's dreams and so knew some of the principles of of how God had spoken to him. And so when Joseph recounted his dreams to his brothers, they immediately understood the meaning. They didn't have to go and find somebody to tell them what it meant. They all knew exactly what the dream was saying. Let me just read a couple of thoughts I have here. God at times uses dreams to open up our heart to his voice. Emotions and intellect are not as active in a dream. God can deposit strength into our heart in a dream. You know, we study the word. That's the primary way that we get information and we get guidance. The word of God is set forever. We're not looking for some supernatural way to guide us. We don't need a, a, a word, a prophecy given to us to guide us. The word of God is, is, is our course. Preaching, teaching, mentors. We get involved with people that are walking in the spirit. And it is such a wonderful way that God deposits and infuses life to us. Life experience and in, and in personal encounters. Philippians 4.13 in the Weist translation. I am strong for all things in the one who constantly infuses strength in me. I am, I am strong for all things in the one who constantly infuses strength in me. He's talking in the context here about finances. I know how to live with plenty. I know how to live with little. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. But this verse transcends because it's all things. It transcends that context. He is constantly infusing strength in me. And often it's through special visitations. There comes moments of encounter in our life that are building up to that, to building up to that. And all of a sudden, he visits us and he takes us over 
the hill. He takes us over that, that moment and we step into the next level of his purposes for us. When I was 16, I had given my heart to the Lord. A couple years later, I was in a Presbyterian church and did not really have any understanding of Pentecostal, charismatic things. They hadn't even, hear, they hadn't even heard about them. I was just loving God, you know. And, and all of a sudden, I could feel this huge vacuum in my spirit, like a big hole right there. And I'd walk around all day going to school. Lord, what did I do? Did I do some terrible sin? What did I do? I just feel this emptiness that went on for three, four months. Every day, crying out, crying out, crying out. I went to a Presbyterian camp and two kids came walking. I went snowshoeing. I came back in and sat in, sat in my bunk in the cabin and two high school kids walked in and they were talking about the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And the Lord, Lord spoke to me and says, that's what you need. That's what you need. And so I simply said, Lord, if that's what I need, have them ask me if I want to receive. Just as that came up in my heart, it was just in my spirit, quietly, I didn't say it out loud. But just as that came up, they looked at me and said, do you want to receive? So I went over, I got on my knees, they laid their hands on me, and the heavens opened up, and a bright bolt of lightning went through the top of my head, out the bottom of my feet, and I was energized. <laughs> And all they saw was that I went berserk, jumping around and whatever, you know. That's all they saw. But they didn't see the months and months and months of God working to open up my heart to the deep, deep visitation. You know, when the wind comes in, it's moving into a low pressure from a high pressure. And we, be, we make our hearts a vacuum. We cry out to him, we yearn after him. And, and when he chooses to move, it's like the day of Pentecost, a mighty rushing wind. The visitation of God equips us for our future service for him. God loves you. God loves you. You're his favorite. God doesn't want you to be apart from him praying at him. Lord, I need help. Lord, I, I mean, we bring our petitions to him. But we're not just praying at him. We're entering in to the most holy place through the blood of Jesus. And we find grace. We find help. We can make petitions, but we're not apart from him. We're close to him. That's where God is calling us. That's where he wants us to live. Let's go to Genesis 41. And this is later on after he went through the whole thing of being rejected by his brothers, being sold into slavery, his master's wife, you know, gets all upset because he won't succumb to her seduction. They have him thrown in prison because of lies that were said about him. 
He's there for years. And then through some supernatural things, God sets him before Pharaoh. He interprets the dreams of Pharaoh. And I just want to look at this, what he says to Pharaoh when he interprets the dream of the, of the 14 years of famine that were coming, or the seven years of famine, seven years of plenty, with the next 14 years that were following from that point of time. Genesis 41, 32. That's a, and this is part of the interpretation that the dream was sent twice to Pharaoh and in two forms indicates that this thing which God will very soon bring to pass is fully prepared and established by God. The Message Bible, the fact that Pharaoh dreamed the same dream twice emphasizes God's determination to do this and to do it soon. Let's just take a moment. And Joseph had these dreams implanted into his heart when he was 17. And God began to witness that this was his destiny in life. It became part of him. He pondered the working of God, the presence of God that accompanied the dream. He gained an understanding of how God works. So not only did he know what the dream meant, but also God's attitude. Don't you love that? God, God's determination to do it and to do it soon. Hallelujah. There's been a few times in my life where I've had double dreams. And here the double dreams were not that they were two separate dreams, they were the same dream, but they were addressing different aspects of, of the events that were to come. One had to do with livestock, the other with the grain. And, and so God was showing that the whole uh, food supply in Egypt was going to be disrupted. They were the same dream, but they had two different facets to them. And I, usually when you, we have a double dream, it's like there's an aware of the awesomeness of God. I had this happen in the late 70s. I went to bed and I had this dream and it was so, I mean, what was happening in the dream was just not that dynamic had to do with the wolf trying to steal my coat. <laughs> but I woke up, and the awe of God was all over me. I and mean, it was just like, I know that God was visiting. I went back to sleep. I dreamt the same kind of encounter, but it was in a different circumstance. And, I, and then I woke up about four in the morning, and I was just sitting there, just overwhelmed in this encounter. In about... Around five o'clock, a prayer lady, an intercessor lady, called me and said, I would have called you earlier, but it was too early. <laughs> this was five in the morning. <laughs> and she, I don't remember exactly how the conversation went, but I just remember that it was such an important thing, encounter for me. And God was letting other people in on it. They were praying. 
And so when there's a double dream, pay attention. Spend time in his glory. Spend time in his presence. Draw near to him. Worship him. Love him. Abandon yourself to him. You will search for me and you will find me when you search for me with all your heart. A lot of times we don't get understanding. We don't get a depth of, of revelation because our whole heart is not abandoned to seeking him. You will find me, God says. I will be found of you, says the Lord. He's not hiding. You're trying to find him. You're trying to get a hold of him. And it's like a, a, a blank heaven. Just look, am I, am I fully committed? Am I just wanting to hear what I want to hear? Or am I totally open to whatever God would say? However he would choose to use me in his service. Whatever course of life he has for me. It is the greatest path to step out on, in obedience to God. It is the greatest path that we could possibly walk in. to be daily in the, in, the, in the pleasure, in the witness that we are pleasing him, that this is the, the road he's marked out. And it doesn't matter if that path has a lot of applause of man or public things, that, that, that's not the point. The point is that God has dynamic fruit for you to bear in the path. The good works preordained, foreordained for you to walk in from the foundation of the world. They're already laid out. He wants you to find him. He wants you to find that path with joy and with strength. And sometimes he'll, he'll give us a supernatural visitation to put us on that path. Just want to read one or two more things here that I had written down. It's amazing how the plots of people can try to rob us of the grace of God. And so when, when God implanted this vision into Joseph's life, with it came a revelation of how merciful and kind he was. It was to save many people. That was his interpretation of the dream. And he told his brothers that when, when they had plotted against him, God, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And he kept declaring, he kept declaring the hand of God that was over his life. And even when they did something so determined and destructive to him, that was their plan, to kill him. But then one brother talked him out of that, and I was talking about this last week, I think, in Bemidji, and, <coughs> and it was Reuben. And one of the guys in the, spoke up and said, is that a Reuben sandwich? I mean, whatever, he's got a different kind of humor. But... 
I said, well, that's interesting. The very next verse was they sat down and ate lunch. <laughs> but in Genesis 42, and this was after, before Joseph reveals who he is to the brothers, yet here, as, as things begin to happen in their He's asking to bring their youngest son and, and they know how that would affect or, or uh, Jacob's youngest son they, and they know how that would affect their father. And in Genesis 42, 21, and they said to one another, we are truly guilty about our brother for we saw the dis- dis- distress and anguish of his soul when he begged us to let him go and we would not hear. So this distress and guilt, difficulty has come upon us. Sometimes we look at these characters in the Old Testament and think that, well, you know, they were, God's hand was on them and they didn't feel anything and there was no real struggle in walking things through. But Joseph, it says here, we heard the distress and anguish of his soul and he begged us we would not listen. Wow, Joseph was, his family was so precious to him and his father's love was so precious to him. He was in distress. But even all that they had done to him could not rob the mercy of God. All that they had plotted against him and all the things that happened after this, he was able to say, God planned this for good. I'm not talking about trying to figure out predestination, that. I'm just saying that was his view. No matter how big the issues were he had to overcome, mercy was strong in his heart. Grace was strong in his heart. He freely forgave. He freely was there to bless. And, and when we have a visitation from God, when he calls us, he establishes us in our calling, that's ingrained, that character of God is ingrained into the call. It's the manifestation of God's love. Love is patient, love is kind. Love is not envious or boastful or proud. It's not rude. does not act unbecomingly. Hopeth all things, believeth all things. Love never fails. The Amplified love never wears out or fades out or comes to an end. It's equal to every issue of life. It doesn't mean when it says it doesn't fail, that we win like we think we're going to win in every situation. It just means that love won't, won't let us down. We can walk in the character of God through everything. It's equal to everything. Has the, has the things of the world tried to rob that deposit of God within your heart? the difficulties you've had to walk through, the things you've had to face, you feel alienated, you feel betrayed, 
God is here now. Not so you can figure it all out, but you can say, God is with me for good. He has me in his hand. I'm going forward for good. I'm going to bear fruit for eternity. You have the power to forgive and release and bless and not be moved off from the destiny God has. Thank you, Father. Let's pray. Father God, today on this cold, windy day, so thankful that the warmth of your love is here with us. I'm just going to pray in the spirit for a moment. If you have things you need to release to God, let's just do that together, can we? Just lift up your hand. If there's things that you need to release, just lift up your hand and give them to God. You know, the privacy of your own heart is between you and God. And not others can, can't just get in there and fix it. But God, he sees everything. He knows everything. He can bring resurrection to you. I'm going to pray and just draw near to God. The goodness of God is upon you. The strength of God is within you. Be not afraid. Do not be moved away from the hope you're calling for. Surely he will establish you in your life. Surely doors will open that no one will be able to close. And you'll step through into the grace of God and the anointing of God and the fulfillment that he brings. Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for Joseph and his life and the character that he demonstrated. I ask that that reality be branded within our hearts. In Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> Praise God. We'll be here to pray with you if you'd like to have special prayer. Or we can have some. <clears throat>